the world needs accountants and you'll be accountants but you've got to pass the junior course don't fret about it we've been here before we'll tell you all about it on accountant welcome to accounted for your weekly junior core podcast that accounts for your experiences in real time we provide you with the student to student insider scoop survival tips suggestions and stories all relevant to what you are experiencing each week i'm your host hannah biesinger from the junior core class of 2020. all right guys we are in a good place We've covered recruiting basics and now three parts of the application process. So let's just say that you figured out how to have a good handle on how recruiting season looks for you and how you will balance it with school. Let's also say at this point you've applied to several firms and that you've heard back, having been accepted for an interview. Woohoo! You deserve a round of applause. But the process isn't quite over yet. You still have the actual interviews themselves. Luckily, the Junior Corps has some practice built into week zero, and we have some tips to give to you too. First thing to note, you may participate in several types of interviews depending on the internship or job that you are applying for. It may be behavioral, situational, or case. So let me give you a quick definition for each of these types of interviews because the preparation looks different and you want to go into each interview knowing exactly what kinds of questions you're going to be asked. So a behavioral interview is the interview you're probably most familiar with. The interviewer asks questions about your strengths, your weaknesses, how you reacted to a difficult situation, or how you feel about certain company policies. These interviews are focused on your past work and your past experiences. A situational interview differs from a behavioral interview because it focuses on a future hypothetical situation. So an interviewer may pose a situation that you've never faced before and ask what you would do if you were put into that situation. A case interview can go in a few different directions. Uh, sometimes the interviewer can pose a technical question that that company sees in its own client work and ask how you would solve a problem they are facing. Or they could ask you how to solve a problem that's common in their industry. The interviewer could also ask you a ridiculous hypothetical question that's designed to see how you think. And they would rather have that process than an actual answer. You may also encounter an interview where they will ask you to put what you've learned in school to the test. In many finance interviews or IS interviews, you're asked to solve a DCF or write some code to solve a problem. Those aren't super common in the interviews you'll be doing, but if you decide to interview for one of these other fields, you could run into it. We are excited to have Luke Jorgensen and Nate Jenkins join us to share some insights into their interview experiences. Luke, what advice do you have for the junior course students as they begin their interviews? Okay, <clears throat> I think there are three main specific things that I would um, say in regards to doing well in interviews. And you may have heard of many of these, but these are, I think, the three most important things that I took away from good interviews. Um, the first one is knowing the company beforehand. Um, it's honestly very impressive when someone comes into the interview and they kind of know the background of the company or specific questions they want to ask. Um, 
uh, it gives them more credibility. And along with that, this is something that you can't always control. But if you know someone in the company, it helps the interview a lot more. Um, it really is true. It's not always what you know, but who you know. It really helps. I um, got accepted to a company, and a lot of it was just through people that I knew. But you can't always control that. So the first one, knowing the company beforehand, you can control that. Second, um, trying to get to know people in the company uh, makes it a lot easier. The third one um, is that when you're inside or in the interview talking with one-on-one uh, -on -one with the manager or whoever's giving the interview, um, you just realize that you can't be prepared for every single question they're going to ask. Um, but the thing that helped me with being prepared for uh, what was going to be asked or what I would need to talk about in regards to myself is beforehand just thinking about my life and thinking of two or three experiences or accomplishments that really impacted me and you've heard before like you can brag in the interview you can I mean you want to talk about yourself in a good way and the way that I've um kind of come to this part of it is I don't want to sound like I'm making up stories or I don't want to sound like I'm just trying to make myself seem overly um uh, qualified or anything, but I want to be genuine. And so the best way that I was able to do that was thinking about my life and what had helped me get to where I was. Um, even if it wasn't really like a big thing, if it was impactful to me when I was talking about that, uh, with the interviewer, uh, it made a lot bigger difference with them. So for me, it was, I had a small business and I learned a ton through that and it was really hard, but it gave me a lot of good experience. But honestly, it could really be anything that um, is impactful to you. I know there's a lot of musicians at BYU, so it could be like mastering an, in an instrument. And I don't know if they ask you, uh, when are some times you've had to stay calm under pressure? like learning an instrument and and performing is a great example of that. Or when did you have to show leadership skills? Um, if you've ever taught instrument lessons or or if you've ever been in a group where you had to help someone practice or, or help teach a concept to someone, um, you'd honestly be surprised with how many questions you can apply to an impactful situation in your life. Even if it's not like, oh, I, I invented this great new thing or, or whatever. Um, I think the person that's interviewing can see a lot more um, just realness and genuineness in you if you use something that has been impactful to you and then explained kind of what you learned from that. Um, and along with that, like, don't be overly professional. I think they can see through... Um, you trying to really uh, impress them by sharing fake things or exaggerating things a lot. Just like talk about what's important to you in a real way <clears throat> and be a real person because they're not trying to see you fail either. Like you want to succeed, they want you to succeed. 
So they just want to get to know you and what you've learned and, and how you've grown as a person. So that's what I would say. Those three things is first, um, know the company as much as you can beforehand. Come in with good questions um, that are applicable. If you can, the second thing is know some people there. You can even do this through Meet the Firms or just friends that you've had in the past. And then the third thing is what I talked about with um, is coming with meaningful and impactful experiences you've had in your life. And you can talk about strengths and weaknesses and what you've learned through that. And it makes it a lot easier. We would love to hear about your experiences as well, Nate. So interviewing, that is something that's on everybody's mind, especially from August to October of every year. I would say that that's one of the keys, though. If you're really dedicated to interviewing and interested in interviewing and want to ace an interview, it doesn't just start in the interview, obviously. It doesn't even just start in interviewing or recruiting season. It's really a, a year-round endeavor. I'm not saying that you have to set aside 30 minutes a day year-round practicing your interview skills. What I'm saying is that the foundation of interviewing is networking and relationships. The best interviews I've had by far have been interviews with people whom I already had a connection with, either personally or through another connection. One of the greatest connections you can form as a student is with the recruiter for each company that comes to campus. So uh, I'll share some other experiences and stories that I've had through interviewing, but just kind of jump to the end and read the last pages of the book first. I accepted an offer with PwC to join their management consulting team for this summer in Salt Lake City. And last year in the junior core, I had applied to PwC Consulting as well. And I didn't even get an interview offer. I sent in my resume. I thought it was a very strong applicant. And I got an email from the recruiter. I had gone to many events, gotten to know her personally. Her name's Lacey, wonderful person. She had told me about how they were excited to review my resume and, and hopefully interview me. And I felt kind of devastated, maybe a little bit betrayed that I didn't even get an interview. And of course, I got the email that said, you were such a strong applicant. We just had so many people that we couldn't choose them all. I, I thought it was saving face. I thought it was, it was completely fake. And so I just disregarded it and kind of said, okay, well, I guess PwC isn't the place. Probably won't even apply next year. Well, obviously a year went by. I didn't hold any of that initial animosity anymore. I reached back out to Lacey and told her I was still interested in, in having an experience and interviewing with PwC. and. She reached right back out, emailed me within probably 30 minutes, and said, Nathan, it's so good to hear from you. I hope your year was great. Of course, I remember who you are. I would love to put you in contact with the consulting team to, to get you an interview. And I had a wonderful interview with them. I already knew Lacey more personally in a business sense, and the interviewers did as well, so we connected on that front, talking about how great of a person Lacey was and all the good she was doing. And being able to use that relationship really, really helped. Uh, helps an interviewer see you as a person. It helps you form a connection to a company. Because I, I really agree with what a lot of people say, which is, oh, one of the most important things you need to do before an interview is go look up the company. And so that way you can know, oh, your mission and vision are this, your values are that. But you can't really form a relationship with a company. You form a relationship with people. And... So the most vital thing is not necessarily to have memorized the company's core values or slogan, 
but to know the people in the company and who they are, what they stand for, what brings them to work every day, what is their family like, and why are they passionate about what they do. And I find that that is not something that you can just do starting in August when you realize, oh, dang, it's recruiting season. I better start sending out some emails and go on a handshake. It, networking is really, I don't even like the term networking because it sounds so superficial. Forming relationships with people is really foundational to having a good interview and not doing it solely for the sake of getting an interview, but doing it because you care about people. And as a student, because these people should be role models for you they, they've done already what we're going to do and so reaching out to them and with with sincerity to, to learn about the companies they work for and why they're passionate i'd say that's the most important thing you can do before an interview on the the interpersonal relationship aspect i'd say other key pre-interview steps would be obviously make sure you have a strong resume send it out to as many friends as you can if you have mentors uh, send it out to your mentors to get their review and approval. And if cover letters are required for the company you're applying to, uh, I actually applied with Bain and company. And I, this past recruiting season, I didn't get an offer from them. And, and the reason after reaching out, I had, I had done everything else, quote unquote, right. I had, I knew people who worked in Bain and I had met with them in person. I'd actually, if you're familiar with management consulting, then the interviews are case style interviews. I'd practiced cases with members of the Bain community and employees there. They told me, your interview skills are great. Everything looks awesome. We're excited to interview you. I didn't even get the first interview after circling back and, and asking some of these friends and mentors I had had that I had kind of prepared for the interview with why I didn't get the interview. It was in the end because my cover letter didn't seem sincere enough. I, I won't say that it was the most sincere thing I'd ever written. It also wasn't a canned cover letter, but e even trying to, to just write it, I, I don't think I was sincere enough. I think I went into writing that cover letter thinking about trying to impress them rather than writing what I was passionate about. So just a brief note on cover letters, just be yourself and write about what you're passionate about. Don't try to be the most impressive person that they'll see all day because you probably won't be. But focusing more on, on preparing for the interview itself, uh, it, let, let's assume that you have really great credential, credentials and you're a competitive candidate. The key, the key steps you need to take before an interview would be first to understand what kind of interview you're going into. There are behavioral interviews, there are situational interviews, there are case interviews, to name a few. If you don't understand what kind of interview you're going into beforehand, you will probably not have a very fun interview. And that's actually one of the keys to having a good interview is you should be having fun. And by the end of the interview, you should feel like you had a good time and that the interviewer did as well. That's not going to happen if you go in expecting a behavioral interview where they just ask, you know, what are some of your biggest flaws? What are some of your greatest traits, those kind of questions that we traditionally think of as a behavioral interview. If you go in expecting that and they ask you how many golf balls fit into a Boeing 747, you're going to have a rough time. And a lot of interviews are a mixture. They'll do like a 15 minute, especially with consulting, a 15 minute behavioral interview followed by a 30 minute case interview. 
And once you know what kind of interview it is, the second step would be to practice specifically for that type of interview. I mentioned and went into great detail earlier about how important those networking connections are and forming relationships with people that are at your dream company. Ask them when they interviewed, what kind of interview questions were they asked? You can do research on great websites that are out there like Indeed or Glassdoor, where former applicants to these companies can write examples of interview questions that they had. If it's a behavioral interview, find out what style of questions that company likes to ask and have answers ready. What I normally would do is I would create a list of five to 10 key attributes that I felt like matched the people that I knew who worked at this company. If let's say I knew Suzanne who worked for this company and I knew that Suzanne was a driven leader and could put her head down and focus and get stuff done, but also had great interpersonal skills, that's what I would focus on. And I would find stories, at least two or three really good stories for each of those traits that I wanted to highlight. I wanted the interviewer to know how I was like the people that they already worked with. And I wanted really great stories to be able to hammer that home. Once you have those stories, the third step is to practice those stories and hammer them down. You want to structure in your stories. You don't want it just to sound like you're rambling. You want to be able to say, sit down and be ready for each story that they ask you for each question they ask to be able to respond and answer with a very structured story that lets them get out of it what you want to get in. For example, if they asked, what is a time that you encountered a difficult situation in a team and had to overcome it? You should say, that's a really great question. I appreciate you asking that. That reminds me of a time when my team that we encountered X problem and I decided I needed to do one, two, three, to solve that problem. So I did one, and then I did two, and then I did three. And this is the result that we got. And if you are able to structure your thinking in an interview setting and show them the results that you got that tie into stories that show the traits that you want, then you will absolutely ace any behavioral interview that they can throw at you. So those are the really three steps that can be applied. I, I focus kind of on behavioral interviews here, but for any interview. Those three steps would be understand what kind of interview it is and make a list of attributes that fit the characteristics of people you know that, at that company. And then three, form stories that have a structured flow to get a, across and drive home the points that you want to for the interview. That, that's a really great pre-interview strategy. And then it's just practice from there. Meet with mentors and, and do a practice interview many times. A lot of the big four for auditor tax don't do case interviews, but especially advisory or more general consulting practices within the big four and also the big three management consulting companies will have a case sometimes called a situational interview. These interviews consist of a often very intentionally vague situation or scenario where they want to know your course of action and your recommendation for surmounting this challenge. And their purpose is not to get a right or wrong answer out of you, but rather to see your method of thinking. One of my personal favorite experiences with, with a case interview, for instance, to show you a good example of a question would be, I sat down and the interviewer sits down and the interviewer tells me, there's a local rancher who owns a cow farm and she wants to know whether her cattle should walk or run into the slaughterhouse. What would you tell her and why? And 
I mean, wow. I, I, I don't know about you, but I took accounting 426, which is, you know, debits and credits of cattle. So I'm pretty good at this. That, that's the kind of question that you would have no clue how to approach without a framework. And so to kind of take you through real quick how you would tackle a case interview like this is first practice is always, of course, extremely important. But these case interviews are designed to see how you think. So they're broken into different steps. And the first step is called the brainstorming section, or uh, more commonly, the ideation or the structuring. So the way that this first segment of the case interview works is you take such a really unstructured problem like should cows walk or run and you structure your thinking so you ask to take a few minutes normally they want to see between one and two minutes where you can sit down and add structure to ambiguity so a lot of people try canned frameworks uh, one of the most popular canned frameworks would be revenue expenses okay well if the cows are walking or running obviously we want to maximize profit so if we have them run then we can maximize our sales by getting more of them in and out of the slaughterhouse if they walk then that could be slower but really the key is you don't want to just apply some boxed framework or, or structure to a problem you want to think about every facet of the problem that you can and think of that problem individually as quickly as you can that's a very hard method of learning or method of thinking to learn i should say that method of thinking is really really the key for any advisory or consulting role because it, it forms the basis of how you will react to clients when you're when you're in their boardrooms advising them on what they should do clients all the time come with these questions that they have no clue are completely ambiguous they have no clue how to overcome them and you have to provide some sort of structure to that so you sit down for a few minutes and you come up with a structure and you say okay well i thought of this aspect of the problem this aspect of the problem and this within each of these three different facets i think the most important keys to hit are x y and z i really want to focus on z because i feel like that would have the most impact overall on this person's main goal now, kind of not, not to backtrack too much, but one of the things you really want to ensure is that you understand the goal in mind. Because if you think that there's, they have goal A and they actually have goal B, then, then you're sunk before you even got off the dock, really, to, to begin with. So once you move past that structure, you can start showing how your structure applies to the problem. And the way you do that is normally at that point in the case interview, they'll give you data. And then you need to really be able to take that unstructured data that they give you and synthesize answers out of that data. For instance, in the cow problem, they might give you data on the demand for beef in the area. And you might run the numbers. And as an accountant, you hopefully are really good at this. So you don't get a calculator in these interviews. So you have to be able to, to run the math in your head and say, I don't believe that the demand right now in the area is sufficient to merit us making our cows run because then we'd have too much product that would spoil or vice versa. The, we're not meeting demand right now. We should start having the cows run in so that we can improve production quantity and, and meet that level of demand. And so 
after you synthesize all this data that they give you, it, you come to a conclusion and a recommendation. And based off of that recommendation, you give your key thoughts of further courses of action that you could give in, in a final brainstorming segment where you say, okay, well, if this is their goal, uh, I, I recommend that they don't do it unless we could figure out a way to do X, Y, and Z. If we could have a media campaign to do this. And that's where they want to see your creativity come in at the end of it all. They want to see that you're A, structured, B, analytical, and then C, creative, and that you can not just provide structured ambiguity, but also add some creativity to your structure. And that's kind of a really run-down, uh, watered-down version of a case interview um, for anyone that might care. As our final question, how has experiencing the junior core account for who you are today? I think the experience through the junior core is like any other extremely difficult thing that I've done in my life or extremely difficult thing I've been through. Um, I've come out of it and been a little less timid or nervous about doing things. Um, and so going through the junior core, I feel like I've come out and if there's anything hard in the future with career or um, I guess family or anything in life, I feel like I would be more confident in tackling it. And so <clears throat> when those things come, I don't, I won't feel as afraid to just go in and, and accomplish something. And so I feel like the junior core has really helped develop that skill. And it's not that the junior core is the only thing. There's been a lot of things in my life that have helped develop that skill, but it's definitely been a contribution to um, not being afraid, not being nervous, just having confidence and, and jumping in with both feet and uh, accomplishing something hard. Going through the junior core really accounts for the person that I am today. It, not just in, in the things I've learned from an accounting standpoint, but mostly the interpersonal skills and abilities that, that I've been provided the opportunity with through the junior core. I think that mostly, I'm a work in progress, obviously. I mean, I'm less than a year removed from the junior core, but something that I've been focusing on since leaving the junior core and, and, and profound impact that the junior core has had on me and it, part of how it accounts for the person that I am and who I'm working to become right now would be the idea of learning how to work in a team and be able to realize that people are always more important than the business situations that they're caught up in. Um, kind of uh, being more open and vulnerable here. I got through the end of my junior core and I had achieved all my academic goals, but I realized that I hadn't achieved as many of the interpersonal goals that I had wanted to. I hadn't made the friendships that I had hoped to because it's very easy in the junior core to let the next assignment that's due right before class, 30 minutes before class, the next day, get in the way of getting to know and really getting to know and caring about the students that are in the junior core with you. And that's something that I realized as I was finishing the junior core and something that was honestly brought to my attention by, by some of my classmates and, and group members of something that I could work on and get better at. And that's been something that I've been trying to get better at. Thankfully, in the master's program, you have a lot of opportunities to work in teams as well, is to form that relationship with team members and just with students that 
you might think of as random students in your class. I, it's really in the junior core, it really hit home to me that the students that I'm sitting next to are going to be the influential business executives of tomorrow. And if I get to know them and care about them and have a friendship with them right now, when they're not a top level business executive, but just that kid that sits to your left in tax, then when they are that incredible business executive and and they are a person that you would want to have as your ally and on your side, they already will be. And you won't have to send them a LinkedIn notification when they have, you know, 8,000 followers on LinkedIn and you're struggling to get 300 connections. And you say, hey, we were in the same junior core class 20 plus years ago. Do you remember me? You don't have to say that. You can say, you know, hey, Jim, how's it going? How's the family? Um, how's your wife? I remember you all got married second semester of junior core and you were gone for that entire week and I just sent you my notes. Uh, do you still have those, by the way? I want them back. But if you can have that relationship, then, then I think it's just the best asset, way more than anything you can learn in the junior core and especially more than any grade you could get in the junior core. And I think that was a lesson I really struggled to learn in the junior core because I was so caught up in learning all the many valuable lessons that you have to learn in all of your classes all the content and curriculums but being able to step outside of that after the junior core it it really helped kind of account for what i'm trying to do in school right now which is not just get the grades that I, that i strive for but also form the relationships that i yearn for and realize that those in the end are always more important a huge thank you to luke and nate i agree with them completely Interviewing is the most fun out of every step in the recruiting process, in my opinion. You get to meet super cool people, find a great fit, and propel your career forward. Don't get me wrong, sometimes interviewing can be super intimidating. And you might even have a bad interview or two. And that's okay. You laugh and learn and move on to be better for the next one. The more practice and preparation you put in, the better each response will be, though. So make sure you know everything that's on your resume and be able to talk about it. I remember in one of my interviews, the interviewer asked about my involvement in an honor society club that I listed on my resume. And I honestly hadn't done much with it, but I had luckily attended a few seminars via Zoom and I went to one event. So I was able to talk about some of the social impacts of this society and what my thoughts were on those. As Luke and Nate both mentioned, be genuine. That's most important followed closely by good preparation. Your School of Accountancy family wishes you the best as you go about this week. Be sure to tune in next time, and as you go about your junior core experience, just know that you are accounted for. That's all for now, accounted for. Accounted For is directed and hosted by Hannah Biesinger, music by Shemay and Cassie Budd, engineered and edited by Josh Bauer. This is a reminder that this podcast and what is said on it is in no way an official position or declaration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Brigham Young University, or the School of Accountancy.